Hello there, listener, and welcome to Fishnets and Philosophy. I am your host, Mix Bell Morgan, and I hope you'll join me on this journey of connection as we embark towards conversations that will be deep, meaningful, and insightful. So if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then sit back, put your headphones in, and let's get philosophical. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morgan, and I am joined by the wonderful Shauna, who is the owner of the wonderful sex shop. So Shauna, if you could just start by introducing yourself, like maybe what are your pronouns, kind of how do you identify, and then kind of just, you're probably used to the general spiel, but kind of like just introduce what sex shop is. Yeah, so um, my name is Shauna Scott. I'm the owner of sexshepa.ie. My pronouns are she, her. Though, that said, I was... Sorry, I'm going to go into another spiel. Jump in. (laughs) I saw this, this, like, really great TikTok where this gal was like, you know, my pronouns are she, her. But I kind of feel like if we just all just switch to they, them, that like that would be lit too. And that's kind of my feeling <laughs> on things. If everybody was just they, them, like it, it like I would be okay with that. <laughs> so, exactly. so yeah, it would make things like, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. So like perfectly content with like she, her pronouns. Um, but if if people want to go with they, them, happy with that as well. Fantastic. Perfect. Um, so you mentioned that you're the owner of sexshopper.ie. So kind of in the name, it is a sex uh, toy, sex um, sex shop. So kind of if you can just kind of jump in like the general kind of like, what was what was it that made you want to start with sexshopper? Like, was it just, did you feel there was an like, absence like of the market, particular in Ireland, or it's just you felt it was something that Irish people didn't know they needed yet. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a little bit of both. I mean, there was definitely sex toy shops in the market already. There have been sex toy shops in Ireland since like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but I suppose it started like the ideas started popping into my head probably around. 2011 2010 I was in the market for a vibrator because my vibrator at the time had broke and so I was doing a bit of shopping I was also doing a little bit of like personal shopping for friends because like they're like oh I know that you're shopping for a vibrator so what what's the best one for me so I'd be taking them into like sex toy shops around Dublin trying to find like the right vibrator for them and like getting not having like the best shopping experience because there was a Mm. lot of like cis male dominated spaces or you had the very kind of like cis head um like hen party aesthetics like right yes um which is fine but it was just like they're very um what's the word I'm looking for like Mm overrepresented in the marketplace and so um as a queer lady I was not really finding the shopping experience that I was happy with and 
Um, like I'm from Seattle originally. So mm-hmm. I knew that I'd be going home to visit my folks soon enough, like in the next few months. So went home to visit them. And while I was there, um, I was up in Seattle. So I was just like, oh, I'll just pop into Babeland. Babeland was like our big lesbian founded um, sex shop that was like right around the corner from the college that I dropped out of. So, so it was like, it was in the neighborhood. Um, and I was just really blown away by like the level of customer care. Mm -hmm. And, um, like I, I come from like a retail background. Like I've, I've never, I've never had a proper job. I've always just worked in, in retail, not that retail isn't a proper job, but, um, like, I just, I knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to necessarily, be in for the rest of my life yeah which is gas because now I am in it for the rest of my <laughs> life I think I think the important thing was like I didn't want to work for someone else that was yes that was, <laughs> that was a caveat <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but I was I was really really blown away by um just how nicely everything was displayed like it felt it, it didn't um like I got good vibes off the place mm-hmm. and um, I didn't feel creeped out by the employees. Like it was just very, I just felt like a regular shopping experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt like I was talking to people who got me and like, I got them as a business and stuff. So um, I went away from that interaction and I texted my best friend Tara and I was like, I think I, want to run a sex shop and she was like I think that you absolutely need to do that I think we need to absolutely do that and I was like awesome cool so for about uh six months to a year Tara and I we were just like making our own little like homemade like BDSM gear and selling them at like kink events and parties and Mm -hmm. stuff and that was really fun um but it was very uh labor intensive and time consuming and you know it was much more of like a hobby than a than like a business business and Tara you know, she, she's an industrial designer by trade. So she like had set up her own design company in the meantime with, with another friend. So she was like, look, I really still want like our, like this business to exist, even if I'm not a part of it, like, it makes me really sad, but like, I think you just need to take it and run with it. And so I was like, awesome. Yes, I will absolutely do this. (laughs) And then I think that was like in August or September of 2012 and so the next few months I spent kind of planning things out trying to figure out if I could have a physical store and then very quickly realized that was not gonna happen (laughs) on my shoestring budget um (laughs) so instead what I did was like I I took all of the, the savings that I had I think I I had like a couple of grand saved away and Mm -hmm. and put it all into like buying stock and then just, you know, had my boyfriend at the time, like build me a WordPress website. And that was, that was kind of it. Like it was very, very bare bones, um, very like small beginnings. Um, but I knew what I wanted. I had a very clear vision in my head of, of what I wanted eventually. Yeah. And, um, and I just kind of built on it from there. No, that's fantastic. And like, it just shows the, you know, once you kind of like have that goal in mind and kind of put your head down and just kind of stick with it, 
hopefully the universe will pay pay it forward and you'll get what you want and you're kind of testament to that but there's two things that you mentioned one of them is actually one of the questions that i wrote down so i'll jump off with that one first but you mentioned how the sex shops that you were kind of going into were kind of very cishet like very kind of over representation of that type of demographic mm. and like for myself as a penis owner i I still don't know if owner is the right word, but I always come back to saying penis owner. But um, as someone with a penis, I've always felt that when searching for sex toys, it does kind of have that kind of overrepresentation of cishet in the sense that majority of most toys, when you go to even most online markets, but particularly in physical spaces, are that kind of very limited stroker, fleshlight plastic butts, that type of thing of like, this is what a person with a penis, of course, what they only want, which is why I love that your shop sells like the Manta, which I'm very excited to receive and the <laughs> Volta and those other type of like, just all genitalia toys. And I'm wondering how, how do you think we're going to like get the kind of overall wider sex tech, sex toy market to kind of approach that degendering of the toys in the same way that we want uh degendering of fashion it's i think it's a the good best move forward as well for adult sex toys as well so how do you think we kind of have that conversation of just being more inclusive which your shop is a brilliant example of but rather than your shop being like a drop in the water how is it that all shops that approach that gender inclusivity when it comes to toys yeah, I mean, like, well, I can't, I can't speak for for all shops. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's such a wide, like, we're such a big umbrella. Um, but in terms of like the the sex toy industry, I think we we have definitely come on by leaps and bounds. Like you said, like Fun Factory do like really great gender neutral toys, and I think manufacturers are slowly starting to realize that mm. like more gender neutral toys isn't just kind of like the right way to go but it's also like good for business because it means mm -hmm. your toys reach a much wider audience um but there's still like there's still places where we can improve and so I think like like for example Satisfier is a brand that I stock I really love them they make really great toys but their packaging is still quite gendered vibrators right. vi vibrators will have like an illustration of um of like a woman on the front and like they have like all their penis toys are called like satisfier men um mm -hmm. and have like an illustration of like a cis man and i and i i, I think like the best way that we can approach it is if consumers let them know <laughs> this is what we want <laughs> we want more gender neutral um like packaging and um and if you could go ahead and, and make us some more kind of like gender neutral designed toys that would be great as well um I think yeah I like I definitely think it's getting better like certainly when I first started it was much more there was much more market segmentation mm -hmm. um and I I and I don't think it's like just down to the sex toy industry. I think it's just like every, everything there's like gendered market segmentation that used mm -hmm. to be like my biggest pet peeve. There was one time I went into Dunn's and they had the, um, was it like the Billy ham or whatever? The, like the bologna that had like the pound <laughs> face on it. Well, they had, they had one that was like 
fairy princess ham and then like another one is like monster truck ham or something because it was just like the most ridiculous example of like gendered market segmentation is like it's fucking lunch meat so (laughs) yeah yeah there's definitely just the over gendering of things that don't need to be gendered like nothing needs to be gendered but the over gendering of things that particularly don't need to have a gender is very frustrating um yes so so frustrating but i I think it's it's definitely like you know retailers can can say it to to manufacturers but i think the biggest impact is going to be coming from like the ground up consumers Mm -hmm. telling like letting letting companies know like this is what i want if you if you build it i will buy and i will come (laughs) you know exactly (laughs) and very apt turn of phrase there as well (laughs) but but no that thing and i think that's why we're seeing the same like across across the board and like the fashion industry a lot of that push is coming from the ground up it's coming from people kind of going oh we want these things if you make it we'll get it and we are seeing a lot more it still kind of has that um, element of it's really kind of smaller businesses that are kind of taking that leap of being more gender neutral or just gender inclusive and so hopefully bigger brands will start taking that leap as well down the road and I think in general when it comes to whether it's the sex tech sex toy industry fashion industry it tends to be smaller usually queer owned businesses that make those leaps and then the rest of the mainstream cishet society is like oh well actually there's there's money in there so we'll do it too yeah and they won't they won't make that leap until they realize they can make some <laughs> make a quick book off oh, it oh yeah like I, there, there's nothing that i find more frustrating well i suppose like oh it's it's this ever kind of balance of like it's a good thing but also it's it's frustrating (laughs) when you have like people like me and like all the other you know small like indie retailers Mm -hmm. queer owned sex shops that have put so much work into educating the public about toys and educating the the public about like toy materials and stuff and then seeing like a fast fashion brand that will go unnamed um Mm -hmm. started to sell sex toys because they saw all these news stories after like quarantine happened that like there's there's big business in like in, in sex toys now that we're all in lockdown and just like uh you didn't you didn't even want to fucking know before beforehand like that would be seen as like uh, you know just business suicide to be seen like selling sex toys and then suddenly like, yeah so it's just like my my, my one my my little bug there but that's just me being bitchy and petty because like I, I want I want I want those customers <laughs> And you'd be the better place for those customers to go to as well, because you're more knowledgeable than a big fast fashion brand that's just kind of churning it out. And I think actually something you mentioned there, which I'm loving this, the conversation is just naturally going to where I wanted to pick it up. That's brilliant. Um, But there's something you mentioned there about like the smaller businesses like yourself doing the education on the kind of body safe materials Mm. and something like particularly like I know for myself when you're kind of starting that journey of looking for sex toys it's kind of like the wild wild west it's you don't really know where to go and also as an industry it still kind of has it feels like the wild wild west in the sense that it it is kind of very under regulated in the sense that 
when it comes to toys that are made, you can like go on to Wish or AliExpress or any of those kind of really cheap sites to find toys that are like, you know, two euro, three euro. And as a consumer, you don't really think about the materials like that go into making those. And there's a reason they're probably so cheap. So as a um, business owner who does their best to educate on body safe materials what like kind of like i guess warning factors or what would you tell people to look out for when they are looking is it like materials to definitely 100 avoid or just basically go to an actual qualified sex adult shop and they'll have the body safe toys yeah so um it's it's kind of a like you said it's kind of like the wild wild west it's not Mm -hmm. nearly as bad as it used to be because there is so much more like the the quality of body Mm -hmm. safe toys um has gone up and the price has gone down it used to be that like silicone was so expensive and that's Mm -hmm. why you had like so many people were buying these like really cheap toys and i think now you know, we've had a, a good 20, 25 years of, of, you know, education coming from places like Tanta Silicone in, in America and like Smitten Kitten were one of the first to like retailers to really say like, we're only going to sell like 100% body safe toys. The important thing is if you are buying a toy that is going to be used for like insertion and penetration you need to make sure that that product is non-porous so making sure that it is made from a material like silicone or hard plastic stainless steel tempered glass treated wood like Mm -hmm. things that aren't going to harbor bacteria unfortunately um there are companies who have realized that like body safe is a is a is a thing and so they want to make body safe products and so they'll they'll wrap it in terms like skin safe which is right. fine like a non a non-porous toy can be perfectly skin safe it can be a non-porous um like a, a porous toy can be um completely latex free and so they'll use like language around it that sounds healthy that isn't necessarily healthy now like but if you're using a a porous toy if it's like if you're using a porous toy externally that's fine but you just have to be aware that it does like harbor bacteria so like a tanga egg would be porous it's made from like elastomer and that's totally fine like that's skin safe and everything but you wouldn't want to insert something like a tanga egg um firstly you'd probably get lost inside you (laughs) um but because it's like it's squishy but but second of all like you don't want to put like a, a porous toy inside you um but uh, sorry, I'm like, I'm, I've completely lost track of like, the, it's such a, it's such a wide ranging yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, just making sure it, uh, that you go for like a non-porous toy, if you're going for something that's going to be used for, for penetration is like the most important thing and not buying toys that are made of things like PVC or that would have like phthalates in it um like lots of like plastic softeners that are going to like break down a porous toy that can then leach those chemicals into your body when you're using it internally yeah we kind of want to avoid that type of thing happening so yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why definitely i think the advice i would say is make sure you're going to 
an adult shop that you know that what at least you know that what they're selling is what they're selling you know, you know yeah. as in rather than kind of going oh this thing is only like two euro three euro on wish like it's you know even if it's not great it won't be that bad it's, oh well you never know <laughs> and <laughs> and i think, I think like the most that. important thing is like to f- familiar familiarize yourself with the, the the types of um body safe materials so like i said mm-hmm. like um silicone and hard plastic and stainless steel and stuff like that and be like okay right th- this is the material that i i want and i'm just going to like look for products that are made from that one particular material and any else it's like a registered trademark material they don't tell you what exactly it is maybe be a bit cautious when you see that (laughs) you mentioned earlier that like you know you're originally from seattle and that's bayland that big sex shop that kind of like was the epiphany of made you realize this is what i want to do like coming from like seattle like um in america but particularly seattle like did you notice that there was like kind of a difference in how the local kind of culture like wider society approached sex toys and stuff like that like like the reason the way that shop was so big is because there was I guess more of an acceptance of kind of sex and sexuality compared to in Ireland which historically and kind of still is a very kind of sex negative culture and country so did you feel it would be almost harder for it to take off knowing the Irish cultural society not really i mean and just to be clear like i i say seattle but i grew up in the suburbs and it was like full-on born-again christian right i I did not come from like so like babeland is in um the capitol hill area of seattle it's our neighborhood and well not anymore since amazon took over but um but at the time like capital capital hill was like our big like lgbtq community and my college is like right smack dab in the center of it and so um like it was weird going there every day and feeling really at home there and then going home to fucking puyallup (laughs) which is like really super conservative um you know, we, uh, there's, a, there's a scene in Lady Bird where, um, someone has like a, a bumper sticker or a t-shirt that says like, save a horse, ride a cowboy. And that was, and I swear to God, that was on, like on every bumper sticker and t-shirt. So many girls wore that thing. I was just like, oh my God, it's like, they took my teenage years. They just knew. So like, we were really, it was, it was suburbs, but it was very kind of like, country suburbs how to describe it it was suburbs but everybody drove a pickup truck um i get you and so like it's weird being from an area that's like so uh closed and conservative and knowing that just 40 minutes up the road is capitol hill um so that was kind of a weird dichotomy and then like moving to ireland again you had spaces that were totally inclusive and totally sex positive and and Mm -hmm. great and fabulous and wonderful and then you had places that very much felt more like Puyallup so um it's 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 hard for me when people are like oh you know America is so much more sex positive than Ireland is I'm like yeah but it's not really an equal comparison because Mm -hmm. like we we have really conservative spaces as well I think 
think it's just it depends on like where you grew up and like what your proximity to those inclusive spaces are because not everybody in Ireland is close to those spaces not everybody in America are close to those spaces I think it's like how close are you to an urban center um and your willingness to find those spaces um but yeah I, I think one thing I had going for me in terms of running the sex shop was that I was American because I think people just expect they're like oh she's American of course she's gonna run us <laughs> of course and I feel like if it were if I were um Irish like if I had an Irish accent and I started it I think people would be a bit more like what's her problem <laughs> I think like I, I think me being American was a, a bit of a novelty and I think it it it, it I I'm privileged in that and that like it definitely um, suited a fun narrative when I was looking for uh, like interviews in the media that was like that was another that was another story that they could write about it's like oh she's an American coming over here to like <laughs> fix Ireland <laughs> exactly and you're doing a wonderful job but um <laughs> but no that's like uh, I think that is there is an element of like truth to that in the sense that like there's so much of like Irish society particularly kind of more in like the rural areas but just anywhere really it's that kind of like you know peeking out the windows overlooking the fence kind of like going oh what are they doing so it's like you know if you're not like if you're not from here it's like more excusable I guess like so yeah I think that is a selling point but I think another advantage and great selling point was the fact that you're an online space and I think being online has really helped particularly in Ireland because again we are historically very sex negative but I think knowing that you can get sex toys online I think it's probably helped with like dragging our culture from that kind of sex negative space into a, I don't think we're fully a sex positive country, but at least sex accepting, we're getting there. Okay. So I think online spaces like your, your store have really helped with that because I know for myself growing up and maybe it was just like the kind of social messaging or the media I was consuming, but you always had that image of like, Oh, only like you know the creepy pervert in the trench coat is the one that goes into a sex shop like nobody goes there so I think having an online space helps to kind of dismantle that myth and kind of go no we're for everyone <laughs> do you think that's kind of the same that online definitely helps you be more successful a little bit like I think there's I think there's a lot more to it than just that I it's, it's interesting that I started on go like I started with an online shop because I couldn't afford the fancy mm -hmm. shop window that I wanted the like the the fancy beautiful shop window of my dreams where I like the merchandising and like prop setups and stuff and um like that was originally what I wanted because I thought that that's what people would be attracted to it's like if if I basically copy my favorite sex shops from the states like smitten kitten and like babeland um that it like somehow like magically people will just like come flock to it um but but that wasn't the case and I and I started realizing like oh no no, no. having an online shop is really nice because it means I have much more access to I mean first of all I get to have a lie-in in the morning and pick my own hours which is great um yep. <laughs> but but also I have like uh customers aren't 
beholden to the like the proximity of the shop like they, mm-hmm. I can have customers from all over the country and have conversations with people from all over the country my my customer I don't have like one main demographic you know mm-hmm. like I I, I sell to younger people on Instagram and TikTok. And then I also have like a network of doctors and physiotherapists who like recommend my shop to um, patients who are going through menopause or patients who have just had children and are recovering from that. Um, mm-hmm. I have gynecology oncology doctors who have recommended me to like, you know, patients recovering from cancer care. Um yeah, it's like having an online shop has has meant um I think it's made me a better shop because mm-hmm. I'm not selling to one particular type of customer. I've had right. to learn about so many different types of people's experiences and how they experience um themselves and their sexuality in their bodies whether that is along gender lines, whether that is along sexuality or disability or illness or age, like I've had to learn, like take on like so much um, and it's made my shop all the better for it. That's really wonderful. And I love that that's happened for you, that it's like made it more accessible. And just those points you made there were just really like I didn't even know that but that's amazing that you said that you know your shop gets recommended for people who are recovering from cancer and stuff like that and I think that is something that's so powerful but it's something that's also really kind of forgotten about by mainstream society is the sense that like you know oh sex uh, is only for kind of like young people like it's like you know the the messaging that we get from society is sex is only for this type of person for these people anyone else isn't allowed to partake in sex and self-pleasure or anything like that so that's really wonderful to hear that you're changing that narrative like through your store and like how do you feel we're kind of like we can advance towards that like what you're doing is the general message that like everyone's should be able to have that type of sexual pleasure like it's not a you know a bad thing we shouldn't shy away from it is it just through like you know sex educators and sex shops like yourself just getting like the word out there or is it kind of more people themselves having those vulnerable moments and having more kind of conversations with their peers with their partners about their own sex and sexuality about moving towards as make love not poor and Cindy Gallup says a social sex revolution you know making sex social like how do you think we kind of can get there yeah well I mean like I I think it's great that we we have had such a a big influx in sex educators especially like coming into like lockdown I think there's like a there's been such a huge explosion in, in sex educators on online um which which is fantastic um but it takes more than just the educator like we we can like talk till the cows come home but if it's not being received by people then it's worthless so it 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 does take it's going to take a lot more and it takes people like you said speaking to their peers speaking to the people they're having sex with and um like I've always I've always been the kind of person that's wanted to like lead by example. Mm -hmm. 
So just having those like frank and honest discussions with the people that I'm having sex with um, and having those like frank discussions. Like if, if I hear someone, if I hear like a group of my friends like giggling about a vibrator, be like, okay, cool. Let's talk about vibrators then. Like, that's why you invited me here, right? Because I'm the vibrator. <laughs> just not using euphemistic language. Mm-hmm is so important um like and using the correct terminology for things like there's just been like so many times where I will just like talk talk about like certain types of sex toys I'm like okay cool like do you want to know about like butt plugs or dildos or whatever and then people like being like oh my god and just getting like really giddy and giggly and I just have to I I feel like almost like a primary school teacher in those moments or I'm just like okay let's I'm gonna let you get the giggles out and then done we can actually get something done and talk about this (laughs) and so just kind of like yeah like just like leading by example and like just keeping talking about this until the giggles go away like when I first started I don't know if you remember back in like 2012, 2011, but like that was around the time when we were still like the, the, um, photo call model and Steven green was still very much a thing. And the only time we ever talked about sex in the media was to make fun of it. And it was like a titillating thing or when something really bad happened. Um, if there was a sexual assault case, like something like that. And, um, yeah, so it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good time for, for like talking about like sex in the media. And now like every, every woman's magazine is doing, like you know two three page spreads on like different types of like sex like education stuff um you know every few months I'll I'll get asked if I can recommend like three or four vibrators for newbies um so it's it's great I think like it's 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 weird to think that that much has changed just Mm. in like the eight years that I've been doing it and then I have to remember like eight years is a long time (laughs) but it but it does seem like it's it's flown by so fast and I I feel like we've changed so much um because like when like I said when I started the landscape was not like it Mm -hmm. is at all it was like it was so in my first year of business, it was so hard for me to get an interview. I was sending out press releases to everyone and I was getting a lot of no's or just like people just not replying at all. And um, yeah, very, very different times. That's very refreshing to hear and um, that it is like making those changes in the positive direction but I still like there's definitely still a long way to go and I think one thing that you almost see it in like a jokey manner in kind of like online comment spaces but there's one thing that like is just this recurring problem and like I feel lucky in the sense that when like I was socialized as a man and it was one of those hang-ups that never occurred to me but it's that thing of men I think it's like a particular type of cishet man, but um, men that feel threatened by sex toys, as they'll refuse to have them come into the bedroom because they feel it's like, it's that social messaging, which seems to have not gone away of like, Oh, never let your woman get the vibrator. Cause then she'll want to use that more than you. And it's like, I'm glad that somehow that messaging skipped me by. Like, even when I thought I was a man, like I was always like, 
yes, bring the toys in. It makes everything better. So I'm glad that like, that missed me. But it still is there. It still feels like that specter hanging over any form of like, like sex, sex educators space when they're talking, like any form of panel. Like there's always feels like there's that specter. And it's how are we going to like it is through education. But how are we like going to get away from that very toxic masculine patriarchal mindset the only the only way i can see out of this is to get the church out of the schools (laughs) so um yeah there needs to be a clear separation of church and Mm -hmm. state yeah and i and i i feel like i'm screaming at a at a brick wall when i say this not i mean there's obviously the people I'm like talking to it's like preaching to the choir for lack of a better term um but just in in terms of like getting the government to realize like how damaging this is like it's just it's not a priority to them but um like when you have and and I and I know what you're referring to like I I have friends who are educators who have been like harassed and abused by um by male students when they speak at colleges um, Mm -hmm. because they feel so insecure in themselves um, regarding like sex and sexuality. Again, it's that, that giddiness, but like on a much more uh, violent level and, um, and a huge part of that is that we're not getting proper sex education. I had, I had someone message me today and say, like, I sat my leaving cert three years ago and the only sex education I got was we were, we were told that the only contraception that was available to us was condoms. They were straight up told that three three years ago. Well, my leaving cert was what? Oh, showing my age now. I think probably ten years ago now. Oh God! Um, but um, when I did like my uh, sex education was basically abstinence. Like that's what my sex education was because it was taught by Accord, which is a religious organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact, like you're saying, the fact that in Ireland and it does feel like a very uniquely Irish problem because of the fact that the Catholic Church has had such an involvement in our country and in our schools like Mm -hmm. it was only a few years ago like not that long ago that the government brought in the law that you didn't need to be baptized to go to like you know you didn't have to be of the faith to go to that school beforehand you'd have tons of people basically indoctrinating children into a faith they didn't believe in because it was the only way they could get education for their children and it's not going to be a good education and I saw Actually, just when you're saying about we need to get that separation, I I saw like uh, your TikTok uh, just about that article about like that bishop making that ridiculous comment of like puberty is a gift from God, and it's just like (laughs) one thing. Yeah, it's not (laughs) exactly, but also like in general, the church should have no involvement with education, but particularly the Catholic church with sexual education, because the Catholic church are the ones that tell their priests and bishops that they're not allowed to have sex. So why are they the ones giving sexual education? They literally have no ability to. It's so, yeah, it is incredibly frustrating. And yes, I think that's what it is needed, that government to kind of take that stance of, 
we need to have that separation because it's that separation that's needed in our schools but I think it's also there does need to be kind of like a wider social shift because I think a lot of parents still the reason that giddiness exists is because it's intergenerational it's passed down as in if when you were a child your parents never used the word penis vagina vulva the actual terms Mm -hmm. with you and kind of said your downstairs, your private place, and all those kind of euphemisms. If you didn't have that while you were in your formative years, it's going to be hard for you to kind of unpack that and not use that same euphemistic language for your kids. And that's where that giddiness comes from. But yes, the giddiness is kind of like, you can almost laugh about it. But the more violent lashing out from very insecure men no that's not a laughing matter that's not acceptable (laughs) and i think the only the only way there's going to be a a shift i hate this it's like how many how many more rape cases do we need to hear how many more discord servers need to be uncovered (laughs) before like people give a shit like I'm, I'm so, I, like I'm so sick of this. Like I, I had um, friends who were, whose photos were in that Discord server, and um, and just, it just tears at you. And the other friends who like they weren't, they weren't sure if their photos were in the Discord yeah. server, but they're pretty sure that they were. And it's like how, how many. Like uh, just, just yeah. like how, how, how many, how many people need to be violated before before they realize that there's a connection between um like sex education and consent and like respect um and can we please stop blaming porn for it like oh yes god yes it's it's always been the easy answer and i've you know i've been on i've been on a couple of tv shows talking about this where like they'll have a panel discussion with whatever fucking anti-porn politician and and they're just like you know people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and they're like oh and the host is like oh do you agree that like porn is bad for kids and they're like of course porn is bad for kids we need to ban porn and it's just like like stop it just fucking stop it you that that line it's an easy line for them to get paid to go on those shows 100 right and it it like it's just it's just such a, a a lazy narrative and the the situation is far more complicated it means um you know, dismantling an education system and rebuilding it from the ground up. And that's yeah. not easy. Like that's hard, but it's what is necessary um, for for this to stop happening and for us to like move forward. But it just, it, it, it baffles me that like an institution that has committed so many atrocities and we're still like, we're still going through it. We're still yeah. going through like mothers and baby homes and Magdalene laundries and um, industrial schools and all of like the decades and decades of like sexual abuse and, um, and still uncovering it. And it's like, it's like they, they all think, that that was in the past and yeah. the second that we shut the door in the magdalene laundries that it's over and and it's like it's it's not over you yeah. still you still have them running schools 
Exactly. Like, oh, there's no such thing as intergenerational trauma because of years and years of abuse. Like, we can just wipe our hands with it. But um, yeah, and just like on that thing, like porn, it's that easy scapegoat. Like, that's what it is. It's like, rather than kind of have that difficult discussion of realizing that we need to completely reframe and restructure how sex is like how we educate on sex like it shouldn't just be about the biological essentialist penis and vagina procreation like there's way more like consent and emotional intelligence and there's so much more layers that need to be part of like a and i feel like it's like not just kind of sex education but almost like relationship education that like that's really kind of what's needed because so many people don't know how to relate they just don't and like for me Like, you know, I'm like polyamorous now, but it wasn't until I kind of started pursuing polyamory and ethical non-monogamy that I realized how many issues I had when it came to my ability to communicate effectively and stuff like that. Like, just because you're not taught how to and like polyamory kind of forces you to kind of unpack all that because you can't have multiple loving relationships if you're not communicating it's kind of a prerequisite and so like that's been helpful for me but yes I think it's a general more broader relationship education is needed that touches on sex and sexuality and also not just het sexuality queer sexuality as well because queer youths just get kicked they just yeah, ignore it it's like queer oh no queerness doesn't exist until you're an adult uh, exactly. no that's not how yeah. it works like there's like queer youth need to be educated as well and it's just it is so frustrating and like I feel like I'm banning like you know as you said almost like preaching to the choir like I'm banning the same old drum but like that's why I love what make love not porn is doing because it's literally kind of having that conversation of going look stating porn is one thing it's not bad it's just it's not sex. It's entertainment. This well, is what also, sex is. This is this is what I what I don't get about like the the anti porn argument is like because they have a very specific idea of what porn is in their head. Yeah. And um and and you know there there are conversations to be had on that on like you know cishet mainstream porn. Yeah. Um, if there is a particular type of uh porn that you find misogynistic and you don't like it, cool maybe educate people to not be misogynist and then (laughs) exactly kind of have that social education then you know that won't happen exactly but yeah there's just like broader now even make love not porn but there is there's queer porn like you know or there's just like you know stuff made by like erica lust like very kind of feminist pro-woman led porn so there's a lot more different types of porn out there but it is that kind of one mindset of this is what porn is and this is what's bad and this is why people have bad like sexual relationships and like no stop scapegoating it have the real difficult conversation but I think one thing like just kind of circling back to kind of like education but in like a different sense but I love and like you'll you love it too because it's become like your most popular selling one of your most popular selling toys now but it's like it is one of those things that I think in general you kind of always feel like a celebrity endorsement kind of is fake it's just for the money but with lily allen and the womanizer you can tell it's authentic like as in because i don't think you can fake <laughs> being into a sex toy like you know it's well, either I think she was she was kind of endorsing womanizer before they even approached her like that she i think she said in her book like talking in her book about yeah. how 
the first vibrator she ever bought was a womanizer. And I think on the back of that book, they got in touch and, um, and did this collab, which I think is, uh, I think it's fabulous. What I would love, what I would fucking love, if, um, celebrities endorsed more than vibrators because yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, the, the, the vibrator is seen as like the Samantha from sex in the city cute. And it's, it's safe. I would, I would love to see celebrities endorsing like dildo brands, um, you know, anal toys, <laughs> like lubricants, um, would love to see a celebrity endorse lubricant. Make, yes. make that happen, Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Make that wet ass. <laughs> but, um, 100%. But yes, um, I think like the reason that I just was like kind of touching on that is I do think like, yes, we need to see more broader kind of different types of toys and adult like essentials um being endorsed like 100 a broader spectrum and a broader spectrum of celebrities as well but i do think it was really powerful in the sense that seeing a famous person being openly kind of like yeah this is the toy that i like to use to get myself off really helped kind of people kind of be more comfortable with kind of like actually you know what I want to have a sex toy or I want to yeah, tell definitely. my friends that I want to buy that sex toy. So I think though that is a very important thing. And I hopefully we can have that kind of more of a mainstream platforming of sex toys and stuff like that. And just kind of on that, where do you kind of like, as I've seen a lot of like discussion kind of in like kind of sex education spaces recently about how the term sex toy is infantilizing because it has the word toy. Where do you kind of sit on that camp? Do you think it's like, it doesn't matter what we call it. They do like, they, they do their job anyway. We know what they refer to. Or do you think we need to actually change the term to make it more socially acceptable and less of a novelty? Nah, I, <laughs> like I, I, I think it's fine. Like you can call it whatever you want. I like, I, I, there, there was like, so there's a sex toy blogger, Epiphora, um, who I love. Like she's so, she's so smart and so um, snarky. And I, and I love that about her, but she, she had like an article recently about like what we should call our sex toys. And she's like, I call mine like sex toys because that's just what I call them. Like, I, and she, and she would very much be of the opinion, like, we need to not use euphemistic language, agree with mm -hmm. her on that. But then I was also talking to another friend of mine who, um, you know, works for a retailer. Um, and she was like, look, we, and I, I totally agree with this as well. She's like, we need to meet people where they are. Not everybody is comfortable with saying sex toy. And so, um, mm -hmm she's like sometimes she's like I like that there is a mix of the two that you have um some brands that will use more kind of luxury-esque like health and well-being kind of language around their sex toys calling something a pleasure object mm -hmm. um which can kind of feel like it's it's taking some of the sting out of it for people and that kind of makes me feel weird because I'm like oh god are we just like being euphemistic and right. you know, yeah. the meaning out of language. Um, but then again, I had to think back on like, oh, well, no, like the way that I sell toys and accessories to people is different on Instagram as it is different to the doctor's office as it's different to 
you know, when I'm talking to someone in person, it's like, um, it's kind of like a code switch and that's, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, that's okay. As long as you're meeting someone where they are, you can lead by example, but also you need to make people comfortable as well. And there's kind of a consent conversation in that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to embarrass someone or make them feel uncomfortable. Like I, I've, I, I, so I, Sex Shop has a sister site called Body Gras. And that's kind of, if someone is uncomfortable emails from sex Shoppa, or right. if they want just like a healthcare product or whatever, I will send them to body Gras, which just sells kind of more health and um, wellness products like dilators and the O-nut and some lubricants and stuff. Um, and so it's, yeah, you kind of have to um, like change, change it up for the comfort levels of the customer. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree with that. And I think it kind of like it really, as you said, meeting the person halfway and not making them uncomfortable. It's like until we have that, who knows when it will happen, societal shift of people being more kind of just open with kind of talking about sex and sexuality. Until we have that shift, there are going to be people who either because they've come from a conservative background, a religious background or just in general it's just something that they're not comfortable with until we have that shift there will be people who aren't comfortable kind of just talking about very open kind of like descriptive kind of sex sexual terms so yeah I I think yeah you're right I think it's like meeting halfway kind of like the code switching I guess depending on the person like how what makes them best comfortable which creates a better customer experience as well and the more people that are getting pleasure (laughs) from sex toys or pleasure objects the better so that's always a good thing actually there's one thing that I want you to talk about as well because I think it's something that I've always loved to incorporate in my own either my self-pleasure or like when I'm in, in playing with partners because I just think it's a fantastic thing and it makes everything better, but it is another thing that there's so much negativity around it, but lube. There's Mm. so many people who just kind of like are afraid of lube or kind of think, oh no, if if you're using lube, that's like because, you know, I'm not like good enough down there for you or whatever. Like, so how do you think we kind of like can move towards a more kind of like, lube is good (laughs) perspective for across the board yeah um well I mean anyone who's purchased something from me like has emailed me and asked for like recommendations on a toy I always include the line do you need any lube with that um just to kind of normalize the conversation around lube because I noticed so before sex shop I worked for seven years in a pharmacy um and that was it it was funny like people would come in and there was there was two products types of products that people would whisper about and that was tampons and lubricants condoms were fine (laughs) anything you're shoving up your gi well i suppose you'd shove a condom up (laughs) but like any anything anything to do with like tampons or like lubricants and stuff people would be like could i I get the lubricants and it was very like they didn't seen buying it or whatever because they they saw they saw it as something and like you know we as a society taught them that if you 
need quote unquote need a lubricant that there's something wrong with you rather than that's just like a natural part of being a human you're not always going to be wet you're not always going to need that bucket and a mop 24 <laughs> 7 um, because your your sexual response cycle doesn't necessarily work like that you it might be a case that you're on a uh, medication uh, like antidepressants ssris hugely like diminish your um your libido Mm -hmm. and that can that can cause a dry spell you could be like just not necessarily in the mood you could be under like a lot of stress and um while you might be physically turned on it just might not be happening there could be like hormonal changes um pregnancy menopause like there's so many different reasons why you might need lubricant in a moment and so I always tell people it is a very good thing to have a bottle of lubricant or maybe a selection of lubricants because you don't always use the same lubricant for different activities um to just have a selection of lubes in your bedside locker and just make that like a normal part of your sex routine (laughs) Yeah, no, 100%. I think it, 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 I think when it comes to anything to do with sex and sexuality, it really comes down to just normalizing it. Whether it's like, you know, you're the one person in the friend group that just like, because that, that's always kind of been me, but like, you know, who just exactly like who'll just be like not afraid to kind of just talk about sex or sexuality, like just normalizing it. Like, obviously, like, you know, time and place and, you know, not like barging on if someone's kind of like, I don't want to talk about this but like if there's been no kind of like someone not consenting to those conversations but just bringing them up in a natural way like just kind of like going oh did this happen to you what do you think or this thing happened to me uh did that happen to you am I a weirdo I don't know like it just Mm -hmm. normalizing having those conversations makes things better and yes 100% to my listeners who are listening to this Lube is a good thing. Invest in lube <laughs> and multiple lubes for all different types of pleasure because it's good. And yeah, like it's, I've always been one to try and incorporate it. And I have like myself, and I think probably most people have had those kind of like, I've had experiences with past partners where there was that initial kind of like, why do you want to use it? Like, cause they, as you said, it's that social socialization of like, you're being taught there's something wrong if you want to use it and I'd be like no like you don't we don't have to if you don't want to but try it and then we'll see afterwards oh my god yes <laughs> I'm going to be using this from now on so yeah, yeah. it makes it's it's good it's um, like, it's well, good like condom like condoms especially condoms mop up a lot like there, there's a lot of yeah. friction with condoms and so like you know adding like lubricant it just takes away like some of that um like it can be like really rough and like frictiony but also like if it's too if there's too much friction on a condom that can cause a tear and so you don't want to cause a tear it's a safety issue exactly 100 i think actually when you mentioned that that's probably one of the reasons why i've always been pro lube because i've always been condoms only for penetrative sex unless i'm in a 100 shut down monogamous relationship that's just always how i've been and i definitely know from peers just general kind of irish society a lot of men are kind of in the oh condoms don't make sex feel good camp so that's probably why there's a lot of kind of 
that negative reaction to lube. And I know it's like not just Ireland, it's kind of anywhere where sex occurs, there mm. is that messaging on lube or negative reaction to it. But I do think, in that, like, I know from an Ireland, there's a lot of men who are kind of in that, oh, condoms don't feel good. It doesn't make the sex feel good camp. So that's probably why lube doesn't come into the conversation as much, which it still should because it's, it's good still to have. It's still <laughs> great. And like I said, like you, you need it for like different types of lube for different types of activities as well. Yeah. And so if like, if I'm sleeping with someone and they're like, oh, here are the, the three different types of like, like here's like a water-based and oil-based, uh, like a silicone-based um and it just shows me that they're smart about sex you know because <laughs> like which is a good that thing they, they know that they use it that you use it for different things water-based lube is like a good all-rounder you can use it with condoms you can use it with toys um and oil-based lube is really great for masturbation hand jobs like it's really great for if you want something um uh, I, I, I actually, I sell a lot of it to, to people who are, um, coming off of cancer treatment. Cause if they have had, um, surgery, um, like gyne surgery and there's scar mm. tissue down there, having an oil-based lubricant is really good and moisturizing for scars. Um, so something like that is really great for that. Um, a silicone based lube is really good if you have like, you know, allergies to things because like, body isn't going to absorb it the way it absorbs like an oil-based lube or a water-based lube it's just like your yeah. body is going to expel it so like you use it for different types of things um and so like yeah I think it's like people who have like different types of lubricant uh I I always uh, I I hold in, in very like high <laughs> high regard if I if I come over and there's like three different types of lube there <laughs> it's like this this is a good sign <laughs> this yeah, is a good sign yeah. <laughs> um but actually just so uh, one other thing because on lube actually just want to see what you kind of think about it as a sex educator and someone who sells sex toys but i know from again kind of from peers and stuff like that but a common thing that a lot of people like to use when it comes to getting some form of lubrication is like coconut oil and you know coconut uh not butter, but like, you know, coconut oil and stuff like that. Mm. Those type of like, kind of like uh, actual physical shop products. Um, are they, should they be completely avoided when it comes to like sex toys and particularly kind of condoms and stuff like that? Or is it more of a, it really depends on what the substance is and what you're using it with? So any oil based lubricant, you do not want to use with a condom at all. And right. it will degrade the condom material whether it is latex or a non-latex condom it doesn't matter that shit's getting degraded um also when it comes to coconut oil i don't recommend it because people tend to be getting uh food grade coconut oil there's a, a few different reasons why that's not great um it has like sugar like natural sugars in it you do not want to introduce sugars into uh, a very ph balanced <laughs> area because that means it's going to throw your ph out of whack and it can contribute to yeast infection so if you're like prone to thrush not going to be great also with um with food based like food grade um coconut oil oftentimes it's like it's in a jar and so mm -hmm. you're like scooping it out or it might be like mixed in with like other food product because it would be in your kitchen or whatever <laughs> um and so that that'll 
be like that can harbor bacteria. You don't want to give yourself yeah. a yeast infection. You do not want to give yourself bacterial vaginosis. <laughs> so if you are looking for like a nice vegetable based oil, like I sell yes, oil based, and that's really good. Um, it's vegetarian as well. So, you know, it's, it's a nice like plant oil based, uh, lubricant that isn't going to cause you thrush. <laughs> That's something we definitely want to avoid. So that sounds fantastic. So I think we're kind of coming up to just an hour now. So like I like to kind of close out um, the conversation with three questions um, and then we'll get your answers. And I always love the different answers that people give. So the first question I have, and this is always the one where I'm just like, oh, why am I asking this? But also I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, but when you hear the word philosophy, what comes to mind? It could be nothing, crickets or comes to mind when you heard the word philosophy oh uh <laughs> i'm gonna be super offensive and say like trinity leftists in uh trinity leftists in, in like sitting around in the fill or the hist in their um like waistcoats and uh floppy hair drinking <laughs> shit red wine <laughs> i i love that i love that image <laughs> As someone who did philosophy in UCD, anytime that we'd have kind of interactions with Trinity, it was always like a, uh. so yeah, I like that image. But I do love the Bram Stoker room in the Phil's building in Trinity. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. Oh, that, that room alone, I'm just like, yeah, it's, this room, I can understand why people might have that air of kind of pompousness when they come in here. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like, I, so I, um, I, I did a debate in the fill um oh no 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 it's sorry it was in the hist i did a debate mm. in the hist and um and i so as a college dropout i always thought like oh my god it's trinity college i need to dress up i need to be super formal um like and i still like suffered from this kind of like imposter syndrome because i think that was like so i started in 2012 this would have been like 2014 2015 mm. something like that and I was just like this is such a big deal this is such a huge honor and so I showed up dressed like Hillary Clinton full-on profesh I was actually debating about porn by the way whether like porn was damaging to society and I was the the guest for the opposition and um and I turned up and everybody was in fucking jeans and a t-shirt I was <laughs> disgusted I was like I put on this thread for you <laughs> you <laughs> and um but yeah they were they, they were very generous with the red wine afterwards so i couldn't stay mad <laughs> that's definitely one thing about the debating competitions they definitely love to wheel out the red wine tends to be the cheaper red wine but it's still red wine you can't yeah. really complain <laughs> exactly it was free the best kind of red wine <laughs> 100 percent. oh i miss those student debating days <laughs> um, okay um so the next question and i again i just always love the different answers but currently what now is something that is giving you joy that you're joyful for particularly kind of given that we are in this kind of hellish landscape so what's something that you're joyful for that's giving you joy at the moment um my dog 
<laughs> I, lo- love I love my answer. dog. We um we adopted a, a greyhound from Hug, the Homes for Unwanted Greyhounds, oh. back in September. And he is just the love of my life. I love my boyfriend, but my dog is the love of my life. <laughs> it's like for anyone who's considering like adopting a dog, like please consider adopting a greyhound. There are they like they breed thousands and thousands of them every year, and so many of them do not make it to the the tracks um, and need to be adopted out. And they are the best, most loving, just ridiculously stupid idiot dogs. I love I love him with my whole heart. <laughs> I love that. What is your dog's name for the listeners? <laughs> My dog's name is Gozer, like as in like from the Ghostbusters. I love that. And yeah. that is fantastic. And yes, as well, that is another thing that I'm very much in the te- camp of is adopt own shop when it comes to dogs, because Ireland still has a terrible problem of puppy farming and designer dogs that just have terrible health problems because it's all about I need the dog to look a certain way rather than I want a healthy dog. So yes, very much. Yeah. And like greyhounds and lurchers are generally some of the healthiest dogs you'll, you'll come across. I say that I like, I just brought my dog to the vet and he cost me like 400 bucks in a vet bill. But, um, but generally like they're, (laughs) they're very, like they're some of the most like healthy dogs out there. Um, if you are going to go for like a quote unquote purebred, um, it's so funny. I'm I'm in like a a sight hound Facebook group where like people just you know give their collective knowledge to each other and on like how to take care of your your hound, um and they do like meetups and stuff, and uh, this one guy got um brought into the group because he bought a puppy that he thought was he was told it was a Jack Russell Terrier. Oh. And it's like the most greyhound looking puppy, like the longest fucking legs. And like, how did you think that that was a Jack Russell? Have you ever seen a Jack Russell? It's these these really like shitty puppy farmers who are out here, like not only, you know, bad practices and like breeding, but also just straight up lying about the breed. Yeah. And so he's like, I guess, I guess I'm a lurcher dad now. <laughs> Probably a nicer, better dog to have than a Jack Russell anyway. So <laughs> I'm biased. Um, I, my own, my own dog is a Shih Tzu and a neighboring Jack Russell put a hole in his ear when he was a puppy. Yeah. yeah so like, we're very much anti Jack Russells. They're, they're nasty. <laughs> so Greyhounds lurchers. Good. That's a good one. And um, so <laughs> la- the last kind of main question, um, what is something that you are hopeful for that's giving you hope? Um, I, I think that the thing that has really struck me since the start of the panorama is how much people do care about small businesses. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's really been like, I know like, sex and sex toys are my main like gig but I'm really really interested in how how people have responded um just really coming together and being like we need to support our small and local businesses and I found that um really hopeful because I think and I really hope it doesn't go back to the way it was um but Ireland like 
Ireland has so many small businesses. I, I, I mm-hmm. won, I like, I won a small business award back in 2014 and found out that like the stats are like 97% of our businesses in Ireland are small business, like fall, small, like family run businesses. That, that is an insane statistic. Like that's like ni- 97% of our workforce works for like a small business. And that's, that's incredible. And I really hope that we, um, kick it into high gear and really like nurture those like local enterprises I I, it's funny like I say this as someone who is not the biggest fan of capitalism but I (laughs) I really but I but I really love the idea of just having a nationwide community of small businesses and like nurturing that because like that's the kind of capitalism I can kind of like get behind is because it is like it is about your local community and um supporting the people that are right beside you I think that's wonderful um but I think we there are so many lessons that we didn't learn from the the you know the crisis in 2008 um yeah. and that like there was just you know we we let the banks off so easily and um and and then just handed the the country over to landlords and shit and like you know foreign direct investment which I know like you need a certain amount of but at the same time like I think it was massively to the detriment of, of small and local businesses and I think we really need to use this opportunity to take a hard look at like what we want to do in this country, like moving forward, um, speaking like as a small business owner myself and like, you know, moving to a part of the country where small businesses make up such a huge portion of the the local economy. And like, I moved to Sligo last summer and there's so many young people doing so many cool things and just like starting businesses all over the place. And I just really want to see the country support that. Fantastic. And I think that's a really a good message of hope of like to kind of close things off. And yes, I 100% agree. I want to see that same thing. And yeah, I'm kind of in the same, not really the biggest fan of capitalism, but if it's a choice between a capitalist system that just props up conglomerates and corporations that don't care about individuals or a capitalism that's all about supporting the local community and small businesses, I'm going to go with that one. So, yeah. I want to I want a fair and equitable <laughs> capitalism because at exactly. the moment I don't I don't think we have it. <laughs> no, I don't I definitely don't think we do. But before I let you go, just uh, for any of the listeners still kind of at the small listener stage, but for any of my listeners, um where can people find you? Your socials, stuff like that. Yeah, um, people can find me at sexshopa.ie. That's my website, S-E-X-S-I-O-P-A.ie. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Not so much Twitter anymore. I took like a, a hard Twitter break for a while. I do pop in occasionally when I'm watching first dates and I want to live tweet it. Um, but for the most part, I'm kind of like off Twitter. But I am on Instagram at sexshopa, all one word, or um on shoppa at on shoppa ganace and it's on shoppa underscore ganace because i have to have a backup account because instagram does not like sex positivity <laughs> no they do not and we could have a whole other hour talking about the problems oh of social God, media that's a, that's a whole yeah other <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other episode but no thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me it's been a wonderful conversation talking with you today there yeah thank you so much Hello listener, 
thank you for coming on this journey with me. If you would like to be there for the next stop on this adventure, then please like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow my Instagram, which is mixbellmorrigan. That's M-X-B-E-L-M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. And tell your friends that you too want to help make the world a better place, one conversation at a time.